0: What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and today I have John and Devin with me again. How are you doing today, guys? We're great.
1: Tired, beat, <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> I think I slept better than both of you, so I'm good to go.
0: Awesome. It's it's day five of our trip. The Iowa till trip, or the Mississippi, Mississippi till trip, whatever we want to call it. Um, and yeah, I think we're all pretty... Exhausted. I guess John's not, so I don't know how that's possible. But What
2: it does to be young, man.
1: Yeah. Just running off caffeine in a dream, baby.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> I think that's already copyrighted, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that marsh just takes it out of you, walking through all um, that mud and water. And I think I chased. I don't even know how many birds I chased. I mean, a good problem to have because we had some some really good hunts, but uh, just having Chief going out in that thick crap and, and retrieving has uh broken my body i am (laughs) i am i'm ready for some relaxation i'll tell you that yep
2: i am too that was uh definitely a reminder uh that i'm getting old right there and i even wasn't with you guys on two of the hunts i went off and tried to get some geese in illinois and yeah so i imagine you're really really beat
0: oh yeah yeah, so first off, let's get a um, big thanks from our partners. Onyx has been awesome for this trip. Um, we've used it in so many ways, from tracking the boats uh, through, like, like I said, we're on the Mississippi River, and it's a really unique habitat that I've never hunted. But um, some of these holes are way back and hard to get to, so we're able to track where we've gone. So in the dark, it's a little bit easier to get to. Even with a pin, you know, you might take the wrong the wrong path and and not be able to get through the cut the way you need to. So Onyx has been, um, really, it's been um, a game changer for us just on all these hunts, you know, marking and pinning when we're scouting in the daytime and tracking uh, so we can make it back there. You know, as for, for every other time you're using it for waterfowl, you know, public land and private land, it shows you boundaries. It gives you the tax owner information so you can knock on the door and get permission and um, it's just the awesome an awesome tool for waterfowl hunters. Also like to give big thanks to motion ducks. Guys motion motion ducks is a jerk rig on steroids. Throw it out in your spread, especially on those no no-wind days with wary birds and you're definitely gonna be pulling more birds landed in your set. So check them out guys and use code DuckDun2020. Also like to give a big thanks to final approach. Guys final approach is the one-stop shop for waterfowlers. They got decoys, they got A-frames, they got camo, they got waders. Everything you need as a duck hunter, you can get it right there. And it's some awesome stuff. Also, big thanks to Tetra Hearing. Tetra Hearing is hearing protection for hunters. Um, their technology is top of the line. It, it allows you to still feel uh, everything you would in the marsh, hear the wings whistling, hear your buddies talking, hear the marsh awake. Um, And then when that gun goes boom, it cancels out the rest of the sound and um, you don't lose your hearing. So check them out, guys, at Tetra Hearing. And also, guys, it's a perfect time to start tracking your hunts and journaling it. Here we are at the beginning of a season. So Hunt Stats is the app that me and Elliot have been working tirelessly on. And we're super excited for all the things we've got in the future. Um, And right now we've got some really big things going on and we're so excited for it. Alrighty folks, let's go ahead and jump back into the podcast Alrighty, so um, I don't think I mentioned this But we're on the drive back right now From Iowa to Indiana um, So I don't know if the audience can hear Any noises But that's what you, you might be hearing We're in the truck right now So, um, But we want to give you guys a final recap Of the hunt Of all the hunts, the whole trip and you know one thing to say about it is this is the i think this is the fourth podcast uh, of the trip so you definitely if you haven't heard the other three um we had some great podcasts really enjoyed um talking with the local guys we've been hunting hunting with and and having them on the podcast and then all these hunts that we've talked about are going to be up on the youtube channel hopefully in the next um well by the time you hear this one i'm sure some of them will be up and but all of them will be up pretty quick, so uh, definitely stay tuned for all of that. Um, but it did come to my attention. You guys uh, made <laughs> let me know that you're, you're kind of um, upset with me that I didn't give you guys the same intro and, <laughs> and everything else that I did with oh, uh, yeah. with the Iowa guys. So um, let's start with you, Devin, all right? So uh, let the people know a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, um, obviously, Devin Wright, uh, been waterfowl hunting for a number of years now. Probably this is my sixth or seventh season, like, doing it hard. I did a little bit my uncle growing up, kind of introduced it to me in U season. Um, he got a dog, and I was an avid deer hunter, and he's like, I need to go train my dog. You want to go shoot some ducks? I said, ducks? What do you want to go shoot a duck for? He's like, well, you might enjoy it. Sure enough, man it just took off deer hunting hit the back burner and i just been pretty much chasing fowl since then and glad i got to meet somebody like you that is as passionate for it as i am and can kind of do a little bit of traveling with it because like you've mentioned numerous times our uh our uh waterfowl isn't the best there in northern indiana i mean it's got its spurts where uh it can really pick up there, but for the most part, you know, we're shooting a lot of local birds and mainly geese, you know, so like when we come down here and we see all these teal, uh, actually to bring it up too, um, when I was over in Illinois scouting for geese and we jumped up all those teal, I mean, I bet you we've seen probably six to 700 teal and it was just unreal and that's one of the biggest things too that kept me passionate about waterfowl is just seeing all the birds, it's, it's just the migration everything just really fascinates me. And I just get the thrill out of spending time with buddies and the blind and and going after them.
0: Yes, sir, definitely. And, uh, you know, we've been hunting together for about a year and a half now. So it's definitely, you know, definitely cool to get out on some trips now. And like I said, most of our stuff's been, been local. But uh, this one's definitely been kind of an eye-opener. So uh, as far as like what the Mississippi has to offer. Alrighty, John. You're up yeah, next. Yeah,
1: um, I'm John Kittner. I'm, uh, I'm 25 years old, so that's why I get all the, the young man jokes from these two grandpas that I still take duck hunting and wheel their wheelchair in and out of the boat. Um, uh, yeah, I, I uh, I'm, a, I'm a financial advisor and I live in Osceola. I work in South Bend, and I don't know what Devin's talking about because I get nothing but limits in Northern Indiana. It's probably the best part of the flightway, in my opinion. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I think it's just it's basically the the North Dakota of the Midwest if you if you, if you do it right, which Devin clearly doesn't. So, um, but yeah, I think I I was probably like 10 years old when I just like stood in this public river in a horrible, horrible spot with my dad and like six garage sale decoys and a 20 gauge. Um, And we had, we probably had like five shells with us and shot a, a, shot a female wood duck and neither of us knew what it was. We took it to a buddy and he ID'd it as a female wood duck. And I was pretty hooked from there in terms of, you know, obviously there's nowhere to go, but up when it comes to gear and spots and stuff like that. So here I am a half broke financial advisor with with uh slightly better gear than I had when I was ten,
0: so awesome. Yeah, so let's go ahead and kind of talk about the trip there and um like I said, we're on day five of the trip and you know it really I mean it started off with a bang, um six man limit on the first day of teal and then a seven man limit of Dove in the evening it's like we really set the bar high when you uh when you start there but uh you know um and we've already had kind of recaps of the other days and um but you know one thing i don't think we talked about is that devin you kind of went off um in search of geese there after day two you're on day three and four um you did some goose hunting so you want to kind of let us know uh about that
2: yeah, so uh, one of uh, me and one of the Iowa guys kind of broke off from the group, and uh, we were basically day three. We kind of we were going to set up and kind of just do a haunt scout, and then we ran into all those teal and kind of lost track of time. We were just kind of because uh, Illinois teal opens next week, so we ended up just kind of scouting that for them, and uh, we uh, didn't see much for geese, but we did end up setting up for about an hour um, throughout some some decoys there and uh didn't see much uh as far as like working birds but we did see quite a few over on the iowa side of the mississippi flying um and they were high so we kind of got the idea that they're either you know birds that have already been getting shot or not and um didn't think they were quite migrators or nothing like that because i didn't think they were quite that high um and right as we was uh, picking up the decoys of course had two trying to come in land on us while well, there was a a river tour boat going like literally 40 yards away from the spread and uh we're like you know go figure that's waterfowl it seems like every time you start doing something you know they always catch you with your pants down and uh so they they went off and then we just started seeing geese after geese after geese after geese after, after about two o'clock so we uh we said okay well tomorrow we're coming a little bit earlier they had a good strong north wind that night and it was cooled down um, so we went in for teal in the morning to kind of wait for them to get off roost and go out, do their feed, and we are going to get them coming back to the the river there probably about 10 o'clock for day four. And, uh, well, it didn't work out, unfortunately. Uh, seeing actually less birds on day four, and, uh, yeah, it just kind of was a bummer while you guys were lighting up in the marsh, and I guess that's what I get for trying to go off and chase honkers when I should have just been patient and wait till <laughs> our openers next Saturday, so we got a pretty good silage field lined up for that, you know, so, yeah. but you live and learn, like, Iowa, or, uh, yeah, Iowa taught me a lot, because their birds actually move a lot different than our birds do, as far as, like, when they're feeding, and with the Mississippi being as big as it is, like, there, I mean, there's constantly birds, going up and down that river like
0: it just you're talking about geese on the illinois side
2: yeah yeah yeah.
0: did you have any uh any any regrets not coming to the marsh
2: yeah so like i said about like it taught me a lot of stuff like i think next year if we make the trip i think that i'm just gonna stick with uh iowa and uh just i'm not i probably won't even buy an illinois license i mean if we get here and they got like an absolute like banger lined up you know then i'll i'll buy a license but i think next time i'm just gonna spend the entire time in that marsh i just did not see that marsh producing them numbers consistently i mean we shot all these birds literally in probably the same what 300 yard circle like day after day after day after day and like around us you know you if you get two hunts out of one spot it's like almost unheard of and out there it just there's just so many birds, you know. it. Yeah. I mean, you guys lit them up.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a unique habitat for sure. You know, I think it was, I mean, maybe it was a little bit more than 300, but it, it wasn't a big area, like you said. Um, and, and that's the other thing with, with Iowa and the Mississippi River. Um, I mean, just probably Mississippi in general. doesn't matter this state. But it's just such a flyway that it, it does seem like you can always have um, some new birds show up. You know, we had north winds last couple days and so i do think that we ended up getting new birds each day even if it wasn't like a giant migration it was enough to kind of keep it fresh and keep keep stuff going in there so um it's like you said i mean um as a group i think i can't remember what we shot but it was somewhere in the 90s with with the guys were hunting and us number of teals over that five day period so um definitely not numbers to scoff at there um, but, John, do you want to tell them a little bit about, like, the habitat we, we had out there? Yeah, in the in the teal spot? Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, um, it, it was, I mean, it was kind of, We we have very, very, very small pieces of that habitat. Like, I'm thinking of, um, like, kind of a, an area of, uh, a, a, like, a body of water that kind of widens down in an area. And we have those big, big hydrillas. Um, so, what we're talking about, I, and I don't really know what they're, we know the name of those so it's almost like a lily pad that's raised up about two foot out of the water with about a two foot wide maybe two and a half foot wide diameter like pad on it
0: yeah it was somewhere in the some some type of lily pad family yeah vegetation and then it had american lotus that was coming up all through it and with the big pods um on the head of it and then um it had arrow arum just all, all over the place pads of that and then Um, where we really ended up targeting towards the end or maybe not towards the end but we kind of keyed into it about the second day as a a hot spot for the till but it was anywhere where that tall grass was growing because it was like an opening where that grass would grow Um, it'd open up the lily pads and was full of water Um, but they're just tiny tiny holes so
1: yeah, it seemed like every time that we'd see teal go down somewhere else, if we went and checked it out afterwards, or if we could see it from where we were, it was never like a big thick field of of, of those lily pads um, that they were diving down. And sometimes it might have been, but the majority of the time, when you looked over there, it seemed like they definitely, definitely preferred to be in like the slightly more open section uh, with you know with with a lot of tall grass and a little bit less lily pads, maybe thirty forty yards across. It seems like. Uh, when we kind of stuck with those little holes, we we did really, really well. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit in the previous podcast, but um, it, it seemed like when we talked to DNR, we talked to other guys at the ramp or something, I mean, we just, not to brag, but we, pro- we had to have taken down, I mean, each day that we went out, I bet we shot more than double the birds of any other group out there. So I, I think that was one of the things that I would attribute it to is lots of other groups kind of, Hunted the fringe of that thicker stuff, whether it was because of the boat that they had, that they were kind of limited for where they could go or whatever. But it seemed like getting really, really into that thick stuff and and trying to find a little open pocket and setting up, you know, as as naturally as possible for what the teal wanted was was the ticket for sure. So, yeah, there's, there's the secret. I gave it away.
0: Uh-huh. I mean that. Yeah, the vegetation was like over our head when we were driving in. So just motoring through with the mod, mud motor. And we'd get to, we'd find these holes in there, and like you just have to almost happen upon them. Like, oh, the tealer landing down here. Let's try to find it. And then um, by day three, we found uh, what I ended up coining the, the money hole, um, <laughs> and it was eighty yards wide by forty yards deep. And we sat up there on the first day, and that's when uh, that's the day that Devin decided to go um on his goose extravaganza and um i mean we we had a really good hunt we had really good mic uh not migrating <laughs> decoying till um and then not only that but we ended up um shooting that band out of there too so yeah.
1: so i think we did how many did we get that day that was seven, 15 that day and almost all were over the decoys and then one was bandits that was probably i assume we'd all agree that was probably our favorite favorite hunt of the trip was that one
0: yeah Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely hard to pick. I mean, the second day, which you weren't there for that one, John, was pretty similar, Uh um, where... We, uh, we were three away with three people from the three-man limit, so. Yeah.
1: Um, Devin lured me away to go after the <laughs> go after the geese after, after one day of getting his butt kicked, and we both got our butts kicked, so <laughs> should have just stuck with the marsh. Stayed you, on the straight and narrow, you know. But
0: you guys did have uh, a private pond that you went to, because that, that fourth day we split up, and we went to the marsh, uh, me, Hunter, and Tim, and you and Devin um, and uh, their buddy Caleb, um, went out to a little private private pond which had some tail in it. Yep. Um, we kind of both figured that uh the public might be, um, kind of losing some of its uh, birds just due to all the pressure and, um, you know, it, it, it might be in our best interest to split up. So you guys went down to that that pond and you guys want to tell me how that went? Yeah,
1: yeah, we go ahead.
2: No, go ahead, John. You can.
1: We uh. Yeah, we, we. I think it was just the three of us. It was, it was me, Devin, um, and, and then one of the other guys uh, from Iowa had permission on this private pond. Uh, and it was a really sweet-looking spot, I mean, it was probably only, what do you think, Devin, 200 yards? Probably 200 yards wide by maybe 100 yards long or something with this big island in the middle. So we set up right next to the island and put the decoys between us and the island. The island was only maybe 15, 20 yards away from us, so we're kind of asking the birds to really decoy in our face. Um, and it seemed. I mean, they 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 really did for the most part. We had a single come in and shot that. We had three come in, uh, right? I mean, right in the decoys and shot all three of those. And then we kind of messed up. It, you know, you look, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But we had uh, we had a group of ten uh, that that came in. They split off and four landed just outside the decoys, but definitely shootable distance. And then the other six circled. So we we let we let the sit there. The four sit there trying to get the six to come in. Uh, the four ended up jumping up, and the six never gave us a great shot. So I think we ended up downing one of the six, um, which is kind of, you know, you look back on it and think we had four four birds basically in the decoys, and we we gave up four in the hand for six in the bush, and only came out with one of them. So yeah, it is what it is, though.
2: <coughs> and we're we're pretty green when it comes to uh, to teal hunting. Like we we shoot them in Indiana, but. You know, like we've mentioned, you know, it's basically in, like, duck season when it happens to come by or whatever. So, like, we get a lot of our knowledge off of, you know, like, just videos we've seen, you know. And, like, a lot of those teal, you know, when they they dive in, you know, you'll get, you know, if 10 come in, you know, you'll get three or four to land and then, like, they'll hook around and then the rest of them will usually come in and follow in, you know. So, like, it's hard for us to, you know, call the shots when, you know, we're – we're not 100% how these birds, like, work, you know, like, in these groups like this. And I, I think you're right. I I definitely, when we agreed after that moment, like, we're going to, you know, like, back at home, you know, if, kill what's in front of you, you know, take the for sure ones. And would it be nice to have that group come back? Yes. But then, like, look what happened. You know, we tried to wait. The other four had jumped, you know, and the other ones didn't come back to us. So, Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it was a really nice setup. It was a really easy walk. It was almost like a gentleman's hunt. I mean, Uh uh, you know, we didn't have to get there super early, got some good sleep, and uh, it was set up, you know, really, really nice. And there was a nice roost marsh um, just north of where we were hunting, um, but the bird just didn't come to our our little water hole there. Uh, Caleb had said that there's little potholes everywhere and that stuff, and he had... uh, seen you know 50 the night before when he scouted it in the roost pond so you know it was a kind of a gamble on if they were going to come to our pothole or not and uh yeah we got to shoot a few which was still fun but you know we was only using it really as like a a time killer slot you know to go try to set up on those geese and yeah
1: yeah and and the teal obviously (laughs) wanted to be there for the most part i mean by the way that they decoyed and we we always forget that um, you know, when I'm thinking back on that morning, when we were sitting at the trucks getting everything together, there was a, a, probably 30 to 50 teal. I'm guessing um, between the ones that we did see and the ones I'm sure we didn't see uh, that were that were on the pond roosting before we walked in. So it was a good spot. I think it probably just needs to wait for a you know a good migration push, and it's going to load up. So
2: yeah, and it was definitely pretty cool seeing them uh, trumpeters in there too with their yeah. With that their was the first time and, I'd ever seen those. Yeah, those are way better than our... Mute swans, we got them things. Sounds so cool when they're out there swimming around. And, yeah,
1: yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I think yeah. this morning, too, before I forget to mention it, we are we're, we're we're pretty sure that we had a, a whistler duck, whistling
0: duck. Black, what did Tim call it? It's a black belly whistling duck. Yeah.
1: Black belly whistling duck. It was a bird. I had never heard the sound before, and it looked like a weird looking bird. It was like a mallard with, and each of its wings were maybe six inches longer, and the body was maybe three inches longer than it, that it would normally be. Um, a flying, you know, about the wing beat pace of a mallard, um, and just made this really, really weird sound. And we did some research um, on the old Google, and we—that's kind of what we've come up with. So,
0: awesome. Yeah. yeah,
1: we seen a whole lot of nothing
2: this morning. Yeah, uh, Jordan, and I, you know, we uh, we had that one. Well, we had a couple of, you know, before legal shooting light, like in the decoys, and I was like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna have a day and. Uh they're like ten minutes after legal shooting like one comes in, and I just straight whiffed and luckily, Jordan followed me up and smoked it and that was literally the last bird we had like it just yeah yeah we but a group that was in our secondary hole uh they 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 rang some shots out, so.
0: Yep, and that was some of the Iowa boys we were hunting with. We kind of had three holes picked out in there, and the last one, and that was the the money spot for today. So, um, but all in all, you know, it's like today it was it was the the, the last day, and it was pretty uh mediocre um, to put it to put it lightly. You know, it was it just didn't happen today, and that's kind of that's hunting. So, um, especially when you're coming to a new spot and hunting five days, you know, you're you're bound to have. Um, something it's kind of you know I was telling you Devin it's like hey if we ever if we did come back um, at some point it would be hard to beat this trip I feel like so um, between I mean I shot three limits myself personally um, and then the the uh, uh, dove dove limit and then the day when I didn't shoot my limit you know I was still a good hunt um, and then today you know that was kind of our our uh, our one crappy day so. Yeah. We're not really going to complain too much. It was, it was an awesome, awesome time.
2: Which it's all right, too, because it sounds like you had what I started a trip with, a little sickness there, and, you know, with you that being sick and just being exhausted, you know, I've, I'm honestly kind of, I'm just ready to be back home, too, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm not bummed out about it. Like like you had said, you know, it, it's going to be very hard to top this, uh, this trip, I feel like. Like it was pretty unbelievable for for teal hunting
0: oh yeah yeah definitely definitely so i guess let's uh we'll do uh john's favorite thing and we're gonna i mean what do you give this uh the teal the mississippi teal trip out of 10
1: i don't know maybe a 1.5 no i'm kidding uh, i mean for me that was i mean i don't have much to compare it to being from indiana this being my first teal hunt but it was i mean just in terms of bird numbers comparing it to other I mean, other kinds of duck and goose hunts and stuff that I have been a part of. I mean, this was awesome. I would give it, I would give it a nine or a ten. I mean, Tim and I were talking this morning um, about it, and we were kind of, kind of seeing. I'm sure there's better spots out there, right? I mean, being on public water on the Mississippi, I'm, I mean, it was good, but I'm sure there's there's better spots. Um, but we were talking about it, and, and it, he he was pretty convinced, which makes me pretty convinced that that this is one of the, I mean, kind of the the premier um, teal spots. Uh, um, you know in in the u s obviously it sounds like you can go south on the Mississippi or maybe the Missouri River and do a little bit better and stuff but for being four and a half hours away to see the quality of teal hunting that we just did, I think that this is this this was
0: really cool oh yeah what are you gonna what are you gonna give the rank here devin
2: so I mean like John had mentioned you know like there's i I don't have nothing to compare this to like that for me this is a ten out of ten hunt like as far as targeting blue wing and actually succeeding and and just shooting a lot of blue wings, I mean <laughs> yeah, I I'd give it a 10 out of 10 for sure. know,
0: yep. What do you think, Jordan? Uh, I'm I'm right there with you guys. I'm going to say 10 out of 10. I mean, uh day 1 and we we've we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, but day 1, we shot the most birds, but it was like uh there's just so many birds. It was kind of easy to do even though we weren't in the right place or you know, we had to make. I think we moved three times, um, but there's just so many birds, and they kept coming. It was, it was just, uh, it was like controlled chaos, or maybe not even controlled. It was just, it was just chaos. And and but we did have an awesome hunt. Everybody shot a lot of birds, obviously. But then, like day two, we kind of we kind of got closer to what we needed to, and just those decoying passes. And the first one we had was that three pack that came in. Right over the mojo, and, and we just smoked all three of them. And then from there, it was just off to the races. We got to the money hole the next day, and it was just every flock. And, I mean, I can still see, like, I close my eyes, and I can still see these these uh, groups of, you know, 15 to 20 blue wings coming inches over the top of the lily pads. And these lily pads, like we said, in the boat are, are like, head level. Um, they're just coming straight over that, and then they just bank right into Um, into the decoys and and that was just so cool and like you know the other sites you know that's like super rememberable is um when you just have those whole packs and we had one of those where um it was on day two and we called and this whole flock it was somewhere between like six and ten um just bank super hard and you could just see all of them bank super hard and see all the blue wing patches and i don't know it's just so they're just such a cool bird to hunt compared to to everything else i mean you know we all we all love mallards and wood ducks and and all that but it was super cool kind of seeing after day two having them be responsive to the call pretty much the rest of the trip at least from time to time um and then just have big groups work in and and just the way they work in is uh it's so different from any other duck that it's uh it's something that's just super cool so uh i'm definitely going to give it 10 out of 10 and, and then uh, you know another thing to just mention is the guys that we uh, that we met and you guys spent more time with uh, some of the other guys but most of the time I, I spent was with uh, Tim and hunter and and uh, I mean those guys were just um, like salt of the earth guys I mean I, I can't believe how uh, welcoming they were to us and how excited they were to, to hunt with us and kind of share their experiences and they'd ask us questions about our stuff and we'd ask a ton of questions about theirs because like I said, we we don't have this kind of opportunity around us, and it's almost mind-boggling just just seeing um, the Mississippi River, which is not only just super cool, but it's just super historic, you know, as far as the history of the U.S. Not only just waterfowl. So um, yeah, all in all, man, I, I, I couldn't be more pleased with how everything turned out.
1: Yeah, it was I mean, it was it was awesome to be able to go you know we 've all got a bunch of buddies near us that kind of do you know we we enjoy doing the same thing we do it together, you kind of develop this friendship through that. It was kind of cool to go four and a half hours away and see that you know there there's there's other people just like us out there doing it right and in reality they 're all across the u s but it's so cool to meet people like that that you 've kind of got not much in common with besides the you know this one thing called waterfowl hunting that you spend a you know an inordinate amount of time and money on and you know just having that kind of that one thing in common kind of gives you something to develop a friendship over which is really neat
0: oh yeah definitely all right well i guess it's probably a good place to go ahead and wrap her up you got any last thoughts and devin
2: i will be back iowa (laughs) i definitely will be back
0: Yep. all right john anything from you totally agree with devin this will not be the last trip to iowa awesome all right, folks, um, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, make sure you're, to check out all these podcasts, all the YouTube videos. Um, this is definitely one for the books. Uh, an awesome time out here on the Mississippi River. All right, folks, I'm Jordan from Duck and Chronicles and John and Devin, and we'll see you guys on the next one.